Hi, my name is Laura Palatin. Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show, where I share my personal experience as an intuitive empath, and we enjoy a lighthearted approach to spirituality through a post-religious lens. I'm so glad that you've decided to join me for episode number five. This is pretty exciting for me to have my own show, get to do whatever the heck I want. And so I've been coming up with um, different formats for different episodes. And it occurred to me today that you guys might have some questions for me. I know I've had a lot of people ask me questions over the years. From the time I was born, I knew what I knew, but I had a hard time reconciling that against what I was being taught from the outside, right? Once I started to really publicly break with religion and started to seek what I call my own spiritual path, this caused a lot of concern and questions in people. So I've had personal interactions with people where they ask me questions. I've done readings. I've taught Reiki classes. I've had a lot of different times when people sought my opinion because they felt drawn to me. But then then they thought, oh, what does she believe? Or what does she call herself? So I thought it would be interesting to kind of dive into that. But first, let's listen to the theme song. Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show. Together we will learn, laugh, and grow. Break indoctrination, rise above our nation, and so Welcome to the Practically Spiritual Show. Okay, the first question I'm going to go with is, if you're no longer religious, are you an atheist? And this is a decent question, a reasonable question. Many of us are raised to believe that atheists are pretty bad people, pretty scary people. But the word atheist, if you break it down, means a is a prefix that means not. Theist means one who believes in God. So anyone who doesn't believe in a man somewhere who is keeping track of us, who created everything and punishes and rewards a physical being that is their own entity that thinks and makes decisions and judges. If you don't believe that, then you are a theist because you don't believe in that. So strictly speaking, yes. However, I do believe in a greater spirit. And I believe that we all have a little drop of spirit in us that is what makes us alive. So when we die, that little drop of spirit, for lack of a better word, is no longer in us. It leaves and it is free. I also believe that those little drops of spirit rejoin a greater spirit and is all the people who've ever lived, a lot of beings that will never come into a body and so much more. And, and it is more than I can wrap my brain around, and that's okay. <laughs> I am totally fine with that. So while I don't believe in God, I do believe in spirit. Some people call it the universe. And if you want to call it God, because that makes you more comfortable, that's fine. I don't have any judgment for that. I just don't believe in this um, sort of human-like, jealous, angry God as Amy Farrah Fowler said, who takes attendance. <laughs> Another question, are you afraid of hell? So 
No, (laughs) I don't believe in heaven and hell as it's prescribed. That's a pretty simple concept, right? I mean, that it, it goes back to my Santa analogy. Either you get presents or you don't. The carrot of religion is community and the stick is this everlasting hell. But hell is a really powerful idea. And for me, it was a thing that really chipped away at the idea of God. Because I do believe in a fundamental being of love that I can connect with. That's something I feel in my heart, in my soul. So when I heard God, I assumed that's what they were talking about. And then they said, oh, yeah, and and this man is also jealous and he punishes and he's created this place called hell. There's nothing loving about that. (laughs) It's completely counterintuitive to what I feel I know in my heart and soul And the idea that this um, God created this world like his own personal dollhouse, and he doomed more than half the planet to suffer in this hell he created. Oh, yeah, but his favorite people, but the lucky ones, the Christians, the special ones, they're going to go to heaven. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, no, I, I am definitely not afraid of hell. So another question, what are heaven and hell actually then? Heaven is reuniting with love, all the best, wonderful, loving feelings you ever had. We have fear and cold and separation in bodies. When we're not in bodies and we're reunited with spirit, we have none of that. And that, that is heaven. And hell, I do believe that we actually look back over what we accomplished and what we failed to accomplish in this life, Um, and opportunities that we had to help other people, to alleviate suffering, that we did not do our very best to help, that we were selfish or that we were indifferent, knowing that we could have helped. Uh, That, to me, is hell. Another question. Once you Break your religious indoctrination. If you are a spiritual person, how do you not just replace one religion with another? And that is a challenge. When I first was breaking my religious indoctrination and taking those first tentative steps away from church, I definitely missed the community that came with church, right? So I sought out other groups that purported to be open-minded and that supported individuals' personal spiritual path as opposed to dictating. Someone that I knew and trusted recommended a community in our town that was like a church in a lot of ways. It was a not-for-profit. I'm pretty sure they were registered as a church, but I was told that they didn't operate like a church, that they really respected other people's paths, that they encouraged people to find their own way. And it was really cool for me because the first class they taught on was The Four Agreements, which is a book that I absolutely resonated with. I loved so much. And it really was powerful for me, those those four agreements. And somebody asked a question based on their religious teaching, right? So they asked a a question like, "How, how do you reconcile this with what I learned? And the head of the church said, well... What you're quoting there is from your old church, and that's old thinking. And now we know this. And she started explaining something else that she knew to be true. And um, 
And I just I couldn't hear anything else that was said because it was really important to me that and and gosh, I hope I I hope I share this with you in the same way. And that is that we don't know. (laughs) I have a strong feeling. I feel connections. I have taken my time and everything I believe makes sense to me. There is no big one to swallow. There is no um, magical fact that you have to accept in order to believe what I believe, except that there is a spirit greater than us. And honestly, if you don't believe that, that's fine. They've mapped in our brains that there's a part of our brain, I think they call it the God center. um, And that is where spiritual thought and processing and connection happen. And just like any other part of our brain, some people are going to have that much more developed than others. And if you don't, then what I'm talking about sounds like absolute junk. It's like a colorblind person trying to understand the difference between green and red without seeing it themselves. For me, I guess that's a big old hunk of my brain because it's something that has been a big part of my life. And if you came to me and said, well, I like what you said about this and I understand what you said about that, but I don't agree Yay for you, because that means that you are diverging from somebody else's path and you are finding your own, which is the ultimate, the ultimate hope here. I would say if you are in a small town and finding a community is really hard and you find that you are going to a church because that's where you find nice people, that's fine. Most of the time, those fine people will be ever so happy to have you in their midst if you're a kind and loving person. When I was attending the Catholic and Episcopalian churches, they had a point where they said a creed. I could not in good conscience repeat that at this point in my life. For me, going to church is not something I'm comfortable with. But that doesn't mean that you can't because, see, that's the whole point of having your own path, right? Just be mindful of what you're being told. Listen for the facts that are being dictated to you. Pay attention to people that expect you to swallow a big one to accept some magical truth that is beyond what you're comfortable with. Because now you're entering into cognitive dissonance where you know something to be untrue, but you have to live your life as if you think it is. And that's a very powerful controlling tool. So we really want to avoid stepping into cognitive dissonance if we can, because it's not good for your own spiritual integrity. That was a lot. I hope that was helpful. (laughs) Another question that I was asked actually quite recently is, uh, so you don't believe in Jesus and God? I have been told, I don't know the history of it, but I have been told that there was a historical figure that fits with Jesus from 2,000 years ago, some writing that supports this. So. If there's proof that a man existed, sure. Do I believe in a virgin birth? No, I I don't. Previous to Jesus being born, there were a lot of writings about how you could tell a Messiah, and one of them was this virgin birth idea. So if somebody really believed that Jesus was the Messiah, then of course they had to believe that he had a virgin birth. But no. I don't believe that the church that exists today that calls itself Christianity is a direct line to spirit. I think it's quite the opposite. It's a gatekeeper that puts 
themselves between us and spirit. And I think that's the opposite. So, and as I said before, I don't believe in a a God, a, a man somewhere that does not resonate with me at all. Another question I've been asked is, what if you're wrong? I feel very, very confident that I am not wrong about God and Jesus. That was something that was invented to control us. If we, I mean, we can just look at the history of it. That's not a mystery. That's easy. And what if I'm wrong that there is no universe, no great spirit that I connect with, that if my feelings of needing to help other people or the many, many times that I have felt a direct connection to somebody and called them and they were in a bad spot. I mean, I've got so many anecdotal stories that I am not worried about being wrong. But yeah, if I if I died and uh, I mean, I don't know how I would know, right? But if I found out I was wrong, the way I've lived my life is to purposefully help people on this planet to the very best of my ability. And uh, And if I had it to do again, I would be honored to do it the way I did it. So um, what if I'm wrong? Okay, that, that's fine. <laughs> this is a, a painful question, but I have been asked this, so I thought I'd bring it up. Do you hate religion or religious people? And the answer obviously is absolutely not. I hate what religion does to people. Almost every major war in our history has been over this God or that God. There's been many, many more wars fought in human history over God than anything else. God and and land, right? But even if you look at uh, the major land disputes going on in our world right now, there's a religious part of it. So I stand by that. Religion also falls into what I call a growth monster. So in any organization, after it reaches a certain point, it's almost like the people involved become more like cells in an organism than like people. And the organism becomes committed to growing because if organisms don't grow, they die. And in many, many, if not all, organizations, there comes a point where the primary reason for them forming falls away and the focus becomes growing. And and that explains so much about religion, doesn't it? If you look at it through that lens, like why the Catholic Church would protect itself and its priests rather than caring for the children that were abused by them. If you look at it like, oh, it was a growth monster and they had to protect the organization, they made the organization and its survival and its growth more important than the children that were abused. That's the only way that makes sense. So I really disdain the growth monster mentality of religion, the circling the wagons and protecting the organism and at the same time sacrificing the very people that the organization was formed to help and protect. So no, I love religious people, and sometimes I have a really hard time with the organizations. And the last question is, what do you call yourself? I'm much more comfortable with intuitive empath than I am with psychic. Because growing up, the word psychic was kind of more like a Halloween costume to me than what a spiritual person would want to be called. So I like intuitive empath. As far as religion goes, obviously, I'm not a Christian or a Muslim or Jewish. So I don't believe there's a name for having a spiritual belief system like I do. Names tend to go along with organizations. Organizations inevitably lead us to us versus them mentality. We believe this 
And they believe that. What I really want to communicate to people is that you can believe whatever works for you. You can seek out the truth in your own language, in your own mind, and your own heart and soul, and you don't have to reconcile that with anyone else. You can do the rituals that speak to you. You can listen to the music, do the dance, all of the elements that we use to touch our soul through our human bodies. One of the more powerful things that I experienced as a Catholic was going to a large church, and I felt like this tiny person in there, right? And there was incense, and there was music, and it was beautiful. And so all my senses were being used to create this experience. You can do that without having the cognitive dissonance element where you have to believe something that you simultaneously know is not true. And that, to me, that ability to love everyone, because you can see that drop of spirit in every living thing, every human being, every plant, everything, that we're all here together. And there is no them. There is only us. To embrace that, to really live it, I call that being spiritually free. There is no religion for that because then we're right back at the same thing. I will not dictate to you, but I will encourage you to check your taught, rote belief system, what's been given to you externally against what you Believe from inside of you. Well, that's the end of the questions in my notebook. If you have any questions for me, I think you guys know how to get a hold of me by now, but I'll rattle it off anyway. You can find me on TikTok at Laura underscore Palatin. I have created a website for The Practically Spiritual Show. I also have a website for myself and my art, laurapalatin.com. I'm on Facebook, Laura Palatin Artist. I also have the Practically Spiritual Show Facebook page. I'm on Instagram under both my own name and the Practically Spiritual Show. So I would just really love to hear from you guys if you have any more questions for me. And I hope that was enjoyable and helpful. Oh, and one other thing. If you're enjoying my show and you think that friends, family, or loved ones that you know would also enjoy it, I would be so honored if you would refer them to my show. If your podcast streaming service offers subscriptions, if you'd hit that subscribe button, that would be awesome. And finally, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment and rating my show, that would really help me know how I'm helping. Thank you. As always, I want to leave you with this final thought. There is no them. There is only us. Thanks for listening to the Practically Spiritual Show. I mean it. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. It means so much to me. I love you. See you next time. Bye-bye.